morning, I want to begin by saying what a lot of people are saying this morning and over the next uh, 24 days. Uh, turn to Luke chapter 2. If you brought a Bible or have one in front of you that you want to grab and you're proud of your fluency and turning to Scripture, today would be a good day to have an open Bible in your lap. But of course... We'll be here for everybody with Scripture on the screen. You know how we roll here at Fondren. We're beginning Advent. And Advent, look, we do, uh, we do this in the church in America with a lot of things, but we sanitize Advent. We clean it up a good bit. And think about this. Advent is expectation. It's waiting. And how many of you like to wait? And there's 400, are you ready? 400 years of silence between Malachi and Matthew. And no scholar, no philosopher, no theologian has ever done really well at explaining why and who among us can explain why we have to wait and why God chooses to allow us to have to wait but Advent is a waiting it's a Latin word that means toward the coming for us in American society in the church we kind of equate it with a well we're waiting and building up momentum gathering steam if you will for the day for Christmas day but it is a coming it's um, an expectation a toward the coming of Christ's second coming uh, we look back at the Christmas season and look and see how they waited for the coming of the Christ and that is uh, this season of Advent today we begin it and we will we will in a moment look at Luke 2 we're just going to isolate one passage you'll have it memorized before you leave the church house this morning so you can tell someone what the preacher preached on today now today's sermon title with props to Isaac Watts is called joy to the world. Joy to the world, if I'm doing my math right, it was written in 1719 in England. So 300 years ago this year, this hymn was written by Isaac Watts. Now, do not confuse Isaac Watts with Isaac Newton. Isaac Newton was really reminds me of myself. He's a um, physicist, a mathematician, a brilliant theologian. He gave us a calculus, uh, the, the theory of, rel or not the theory of relativity, the, the motion theory, immovable forces and irresistible objects. Don't confuse Isaac Watts with Isaac Newton. Don't confuse Isaac Watts with J.J. Watt, who plays uh, defensive tackle for the Houston, Texas. But here is a photo of Isaac Watts, and he, I know it's going to be easy for us to make fun. He's coming up. There he is. And it's easy. This is a rendering of what he looked like in the 1700s. He was an Englishman. Now, look, my kids laugh at me about my hair, particularly in the 70s and 80s. So, of course, we're going to laugh at someone at their hair from the 1700s. But look, at Fonder Church, we have a very simple doctrinal stance that we don't make fun of people's hair, okay? But here is Isaac Watson. He penned this. Uh, this uh, is hopefully not going to ruin it for you, but he wrote Joy to the World not to be a Christmas song. In fact, he wrote it. He didn't have the Luke 2 story in mind. He believes in it, the Luke 2 story, of course, but he didn't have it in mind. For him, it was based on Psalm 98. If later you'll read portions of Psalm 98, you'll see and you look at the, the lyrics of Joy to the world uh, composed the composer was George Frederick Handel and they worked together along with another guy of lesser fame and they penned this based on Psalm 98 a little bit of Genesis 3 thrown in there as well but it was more about the second coming of Christ not the first but it has inadvertently become the most popular Christian hymn ever written joy to the world and let me begin today in this Advent season this Advent sermon series with a couple of questions a good day by the way to silence your phone 
turn off your phone, put it away from you, and just give your undivided attention today. Here's the first question I'd like you to personalize. When was the last time you experienced joy? Real joy. Legit joy. Deep joy. Joy that just, it was in you and it spilled over. A joy that you can't contain. Lauren led us a moment ago and sing an unspeakable joy. I was thinking critically, in a good way critically, about those lyrics. Those, that phrase, unspeakable joy, is from 1 Peter 1. Peter, one of the early disciples of Jesus, one of the, the inside crowd, the OG follower of Jesus, he said, unspeakable joy, full of glory. But, but it's a funny phrase because sometimes joy can, it can burst on the scene. It can be so real that it's just unspeakable. But most of the time, joy is, is actually speakable. When you experience it, like any good virtue, right? When you experience it, what do you want to do? You want to express it. it. It's blessed you. It's become a part of you in that moment. And so you want to tell others, back to the question, personalize it. When was the last time you experienced joy? Many, many years ago, I remember when Susan and I had a little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and we went on a trip. We went to a conference called The Caper and I was the MC of this conference. Josh McDowell, any of you older people may remember that name. He was the keynote speaker and I was the MC and they paid for our trip. Remember this babe? And we flew from Coral Gables to Breckenridge, Colorado and it was easy flying out of Florida but it was tough to land and to get to where we wanted to go from the Denver airport and this was uh, during this Thanksgiving season of so many years ago it was a treacherous it was a blizzard even by Colorado standards not by Mississippi standards just just Mississippi standards but I mean it was a blizzard and we got in a van with other folks heading to the same conference it was a shuttle a complimentary shuttle pickup and there we were and we had our little baby boy with us and it was dark the visibility was low it was awful and we were hearing radio talk the driver was worried the other passengers were worried the tires that had those snow chains on them common in the Rocky Mountain states they weren't working well it was like you know you ever had ball tires when you're on a rain slick road down here it was you just feel vulnerable and we had this awful feeling of vulnerability of oh my goodness are we going to make it and it was just again we couldn't see and it was dark and late and but we made it we made it and I remember Susan and the baby were asleep and that morning, I had no idea what time it was because of the travel, because of the experience that we had, so harrowing. But I remember opening the blinds in Breckenridge, just outside of Breckenridge, and oh, how magnificent to go from nighttime, scary time, dangerous, no visibility, to open up a big window, floor-to-ceiling window, and to see this alpine beauty to see snow-capped mountain peaks and to just have joy burst over us we are alive we're warm we're here we're filled it is good to have that joy any of you from the north we got any yankees in the house like you you were born or raised in new york and you've maybe become accustomed to southerners and how funny we are so many of our stories of joy have to do with snow when we get snow right school is closed and we don't have to go to work remember december 8th almost two years ago this month when that happened here you woke up to what an inch or two of snow and we go crazy it's just this joy like this experience of like we we weren't expecting it and then it happened 
and it just came upon us. It's a new reality, and joy can be that way. I was listening a couple of days ago to an advertisement on the radio of Carter Jewelers. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and laugh and roll your eyes, right? They, they stopped advertising. I just didn't hear them much anymore. But they used to, Carter Jewelers was always panicking about something catastrophic or chasmolytic. I mean, you know, it was just some, something just terrible was going to happen in earth and wind and fire and rain and storm and hurricane and earthquake and pestilence and war. There was always some special at Carter Jewelers. And do you know what it's going to be this year at the beginning of 2020? You've heard this, right? It, check this out. If it rains, oh, no, I'm sorry, if it snows on New Year's Day, and if it, they get an inch on New Year's Day, it's free jewelry for everybody. So I guess first come, first serve, but we can pillage the store on January 1st. But look, it's got to snow, so it's not just snow falling, it's snow accumulating. So the snow has to fall, it has to accumulate, it has to accumulate one inch, and it has to be on January 1st. But if so, you'll see me there, right? Free jewelry for everyone. I did a little inquiry and found out that Jerry Lake of Carter Jewelries does have insurance. What kind of insurance do you get for that? But he's prepared if that happens. But joy is this, this like, we, it's a snow day. It's, it's something that happens that we can appreciate. It's something out of the norm. It gets us out of our monotony. It gets us out of our routine. And we greet it with great gladness. In Luke chapter 2, we learn about Nazareth and Galilee, about Judea, about Bethlehem and Jerusalem. There's 700,000 plus Jews in Israel living under Roman occupation. There's guys named Herod and Augustus, Herod, a half Jew, who wasn't the governor of Jerusalem. He acted like he was. The Jewish people knew of the tension and upheaval. They knew that he had to ultimately answer to Rome, but he was a bad man. And there was a census in the land. And there was a, a couple named Joseph and Mary, and they had a boy named Jesus. Lauren quoted Galatians 4.4, in the fullness of time. There was this baby who was born, Emmanuel, God, becoming flesh. And in this story, Luke gives us this account, Luke 2.10. Look at it with me now. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. That's good news. I want to break that down this morning for just a bit. The shepherds were doing their thing in the fields. They were tending to the flock. The glory of the Lord shone around them and angels appeared and they were terrified. Everybody know that story, right? When angels appear to you and the glory of the Lord shines around you. I mean, like you always get terrified, don't you? Happens to me all the time. And these were the shepherds. And so the first message here in this passage of Luke 2 is what? Fear not. Fear not because good news of great joy for all the people. Focus for a moment on that idea of fear not. I believe God wants to say it to every life here this morning. I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to have joy. I want to say it again. God to you, through me, his broken vessel, I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to have joy. You see, fear and joy can't be friends. Fear and joy can't hold hands. Fear and joy can't sleep in the same bed. When fear goes to the party and joy walks in, fear needs to find the back door and leave by it. 
Fear is about the unknown. Fear, or joy rather, is about what's known. Fear lives in what ifs. It lives in the possibilities. What if this? What if that? Joy. Fear rather backing up says, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if this happens? Then that happens. And joy says, look at what happened. All the worst case scenarios fear entertains. And fear, all of us know, and some of us might even know it acutely right now, today. Fear is crippling, but joy is quickening. Fear will stop you in your tracks and make you shrivel up and not be all that God intends you to be, to not take on the roles that God calls you to take on. Fear cripples, joy quickens. Joy can say quietly, there's a hum below the surface that says, I'm here, I'm breathing, I got my people, I have a pulse, I'm moving forward, I can forgive. There's even possibility of hope and wonder And that's what joy can do to us. And fear will have just the opposite effect. Fear and joy cannot exist in the same space. Do you believe that? Scripture teaches it, and it's true. We'll look a little bit at the nuance of this, but joy and agony can live in the same space, but joy and fear cannot. And so when God's glory shines, when the angels show up, the message for them can be the same message for you and I. Don't be afraid. Have joy. Notice it doesn't say that I bring you good news and great joy. It's actually a syllogism. I bring you good news of joy. News of joy. If A, then B. This because of this you can have joy because of the good news all the fear you might have all the what if possibilities what if this what if that what if this happens and joy comes on the scene and says this happened jesus happened god in the flesh god who dwelt among us became one of us lived and died and rose again for us this happened and that good news of great joy can superimpose on anything that we're experiencing. I love Proverbs 15. Any note takers jot this down, but it says a couple of things. Let me show you real quick. The words joy and cheer and glad and happy appear 751 times in the Bible in some 477 different verses. Kind of cool, right? Pretty cool. Joy, cheer, glad, happy. 751. 51 times in 477 different verses. Just some fact dropping for you, but let's be clear what joy is not. Joy is not emotion connected to a circumstance. Joy is not forced or flippant feeling. Joy is not an easy path. In fact, I would say the opposite. I watched CNN History of Comedy in rerun the night before last. And I was reminded of all the funny people that have made millions of people laugh, whose lives ended in tragedy, in brevity. So joy is not a clever punchline. It's not a cool, it's not a cool joke. It 
can be, but it's so much more than that. Take this first idea. This is where I fall victim too much, too often. I bet you do too. We think of joy as an emotion connected to a circumstance. If it snows an inch on January 1st, there's going to be some happy people. Emotion connected to a circumstance. On Wednesday, before leaving for Thanksgiving for a two-day break, I took this photo outside my office window right behind the wall here. Isn't that kind of pretty? The red, the color, the trees, I t- the, the leaves I, on the trees, I took that just on Wednesday afternoon. And then when I got back from a two-day break, I took the photo. Again, same photo, just not even 48 hours. That's not quite as pretty, is it? There's still a really cool barbecue joint right over there. But it's just not quite the same view, just two days. And that's circumstances, isn't it? Like if joy for you, if joy for me is going to be built on having favorable circumstances all the time and tying that happiness, gladness, cheer to that circumstance, then it's going to be, we're going to be, we're going to be victimized by that. It's going to be an up and down existence. How many of you want an up and down existence? And that's not what joy is. And Proverbs tells us in Proverbs 15, I was going to talk about that a moment ago, but Proverbs 15, it tells us that a cheerful heart, that it makes a glad face. That is transformative joy. It goes on to say that, that a glad heart is a continual feast. I love that Hebrew poetry. I love that language. Ernest Hemingway once said something similar about the city of Paris. He said, I hope you go to Paris when you're young. And if you enjoy Paris when you're young, it will be a, for your rest of your life, he called it a moving feast. I think he borrowed from Proverbs 15, changed a word so as not to plagiarize. But have you been to Paris? We were there in 2010. It's a great city. I'm all for Paris. If you have the funding one day, go to Paris. Someone else paid for our trip. That was cool in 2010. Paris is a great city. But I wouldn't want to put my hopes on just where I live or where I'm able to travel or any human enterprise or endeavor. A moving feast, Hemingway said about Paris, and it's what Solomon said, that joy can be if it's real and it's in you, that you can have this internal attitude that can affect every external circumstance, and it only transforms you, it's transcendent. You'll take it with you. That joy you experienced that burst upon your scene, uh, on the scene of your life, you can take it with you. And it goes on to say in the same Proverbs 15, three great things about cheer, gladness, joy, and happy. It says that when you lead and you have a look of joy, it gets into the hearts of other people. That's true, isn't it? Have you experienced that? Someone can be with you and they're having a good experience in Christ and it can rub off on you and you can see it and it can raise the temperature of the room. We know the opposite is true. I remember not long ago, a good friend, a good friend at Father texted me and said, I miss RG and we need to hang soon. I, I want some RG joy. And that text encouraged me. But then I thought, I'm not really happy right now. I've got some challenges. And so I was actually the discouragement from my real situation brought down the encouragement that he brought. So I just ignored the text and stayed away from him. (laughs) When you have joy and it's real, others can see it. So it's not just transformed joy. It's not just transcendent joy. It's transferable joy. 
And I love that. God, give every home, give every group, give every church. Don't you think this ought to be a place of joy? God, give us joy. But even when people are hurting, that these joy experiencers will express it in a way that's not flippant, in a way that's not forced, but it can, it can spill over and affect other people. Proverbs 15, a cheerful heart, a happy heart, the effect that it has. It's a continual feast. And it'll light up other people. Jesus makes five be of, good cheer, be of good cheer statements. This could be a good sermon series one day. Jesus in Matthew 9, 22, 9, 2 rather says, Be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. Matthew 9, 22, be of good cheer, your faith has made you well. Matthew 4, 27, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. John 16, 33, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Acts 23, 11, be of good cheer, you will testify to me. I think Jesus is right. You can have joy if you know your sins are forgiven. And you won't have joy with guilt and shame. Like we watch those Instagram videos of the cute dogs or puppies, right? And they're guilty. They ate the pillow or, you know, there's socks and underwear and stuff all over the house. And it's strong. And they, someone will come home and call the dog's name, Fido, what did you do? And Fido's looking and it's so cute. The guilt and the shame on the puppy is cute on Instagram, isn't it? But it's ugly on you and me. And there's no joy there. There's no joy when we hold on to sin and we don't confess and we don't repent and we play a game of hiding. There's no joy there. Be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. Somebody needs to hear that today. You can have great joy because your sins are forgiven. I have such relief that I'm not hiding or playing a game anymore and I'm not counting on myself to get myself in heaven. I'm counting on the finished work of Jesus Christ who lived and died for me. My sins are forgiven. Be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Nowhere will Jesus ever say, be of good cheer. You're cynical and jaded. Be of good cheer. You're clever and witty and you cut everybody down. No, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. You're a believer and you're growing in that faith. It's being strengthened and rooted and established in you. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So there's so much about joy to uncover and discover. Let's do just a little bit in the short balance of our time together. If you have an open Bible and you are a Bible turner, you can turn to the Psalms. Keep Luke 2 open, but turn to the Psalms and look at what it says in various passages quickly. Psalm 28 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy. And with my song, I praise him. Now question, let's go back to that if you would. My heart leaps for joy. Question, do you want your heart to leap? Like the part of me wants my heart right here. Like it's a really vital organ. Four chambers, the the ventricle and the atrium. Yeah, the atrium, which is there, the foyer, the commons, the atrium. Yeah, there's two, there's two chambers over here and two chambers over here and there's blood and there's circulation and all the doctors are laughing at me now as I'm in over my head. It's a good feeling. But man, I want my heart not to leap. I want my heart to be with my body like right here at all times. I'm laughing at John Wood. This won't, 
You missed this if you're listening to the podcast later, but one of our pastors confessed on this Thanksgiving Sunday that he ate a whole pecan pie. I was on the front row going, ah, John, silly John, he probably ate half of the thing. And then he said, no, literally, I ate a whole pecan pie. I thought John was speaking with metaphor or poetically. He was being literal, gluttony, one of the seven deadly sins. But here, (laughs) unlike John Wood, who got called out in church today, unlike John Wood, the writer of the psalm is using poetry and metaphor. He's saying, my heart, the joy was so great that it left me, it leaped. The opposite of leaping would be leaking or losing, not being able to, to have it and possess it in full measure. And leaping is a good thing. Listen, you don't want to live this life without your heart leaping. Think of this. Think of the new glow of a fiancé. That woman, we have a friend who came over several months ago and she had just gotten engaged and she came to our house. We, we texted her and said, well, the power just went out. So maybe not come over. And she came over right when she walked in the door, the power came back on. I'm like, she had enough joy, enough glow. Her heart was leaping. She could have powered a small village, not just our street. But there's a joy there. We have friends. They're moving into a new home. If you knew their story as we do, you would be super glad and joyful about this. But they've had the deck stacked against them and they're getting, they're becoming uh, homeowners for the very first time and they've been talking about their house and what they're going to do in their home and there's another uh, another friend of ours who has also been listening to these friends talk about the new home their dream home and how they're going to fix it up and they have been behind their back buying them gift cards and gotten supplies and materials and a carpenter and a couple of skilled people and they are going to sneak in and they're going to do work and I was just thinking of the joy the joy with these people there's a leaping of joy Do you know it? Do you know that? Look, don't live without it. Don't live without it. Psalm 30 and verse 11. You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy. This is what I would call turnaround joy. Do you see that here? Sackcloth in in Jewish culture, sackcloth was often paired with what? Say it. Sackcloth and ashes signifying mourning signifying grief signifying submission signifying self-humiliation if you will not a good thing and when someone put on sackcloth they paired it with ashes it was a time of great grief and the writer here is saying that's what I was wearing but here's what I'm wearing now look I live and long for turnaround joy stories don't you to hear someone say, this is the way it was, but now I'm wearing something different. And, I, and I, I love this metaphor. Colossians 3 does it. It tells us, put off this, put on that. It's like, change your wardrobe. Let God do it. Let Jesus do that work in the interior of your soul. But what you're wearing matters, and it's what you take with you. And this is a joy. The metaphor here, the poetry, is joy that you take with you everywhere. Wherever you go, you've got this transcendent joy. Another passage in the psalm, Psalm 51. This is two verses before the famous, restore to me the joy of my salvation. I'm saved. I'm saved, but I'm missing the joy. I'm not living like it. I hadn't been acting like it. I've lost that love and feeling, and I want it returned. Some of you think feelings aren't important. You're wrong. 
Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Our God is a Father. He's a God of love. And a good Father, whether you've known one or not, a good Father in His love disciplines. And I have known this reality, my sin and my waywardness, and God's corrective hand of discipline in my own life. And I had to wait a little bit for the joy. I had to count it joy. Because as Hebrews says, when God does his work of correction in your life, when he gets you off the path that you're on and gives you a wake-up slash shake-up call, it's going to hurt. His corrective hand of discipline can hurt. It can embarrass you. It can humiliate you. You'll have to confess something. You'll have to come clean about something. You'll seek and long to be restored. It's what you ask him for. Let me hear joy. We ask God for it. But no discipline, Hebrews 12, in the moment is counted as joy. But it yields a harvest of joy and peace and righteousness. That's what correction does. You're not going to grow if you're not being corrected. And you'll need his loving hand. And here, some of you don't have room for this in your philosophy. I want to invite you to, to think afresh about this. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. God, you have hurt me. But I'm calling out to you because of your great love. And let me hear joy and gladness. Ask him for joy. Another passage quickly. 1 Thessalonians 1.6, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Joy and friends can't be, joy and fear can't be friends. Joy and fear can't hold hands. Joy and fear can't sleep in the same bed. But joy and agony, joy and suffering can coexist. They can and they do. And that's a deep joy. I once asked a group of friends sitting around our dinner table a few months ago, I once asked them, hey, has anybody known that type of joy where you were in the midst of deep agony, but even right simultaneous, in concert, hand in glove with that deep agony, you had a joy. And a woman was quick to speak up and she said, yes. When I was going through this divorce a couple of years back that I didn't want, a divorce that I cried out to God, for victory, for deliverance, for a change of heart, for a change of his heart. To see the crying kids, to see the pain, to see the potential financial calamity. I cried out to God and there was suffering and there was agony, unequivocal, no doubt about it. But right with that, there was joy and it was the joy that got me through that divorce. And that's deep joy. Another passage Psalm 65, 8, the whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders, where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. Question, where does the morning dawn, where does the evening fade? Everywhere. Everywhere. I think it's a creative way, a poetic way of saying, everywhere, look around you and everywhere, you and I can experience God's beauty, and we can see it. So much of joy is awareness. You know, there's a few instances of Jesus taking some material from the earth and rubbing it on people's eyes. I want you to see. You didn't see. You were walking around. You had life, strength. You were, you were living and moving and having your being, but you weren't seeing. You might have been seeing, but you weren't seeing. Helen Keller, the tragedy in life is not the people who have no sight. It's those who have no vision. 
And you weren't seeing what I was wanting you to see. And Jesus rubbed their eyes and they went from not seeing to seeing. There's this awareness where morning dawns, where evening fades, everywhere you and I, we can find joy. So, in these passages, there's one more. 1 John 1, 4. We write this to make our joy complete. This Greek word for complete here is plero. The idea there, the connotation is a vessel that is filled but not completely full. There are cracks in the vessel and there's an awaiting of it being completely full and it's not quite full. It's not full until you share it. There's an action that the writer, that John, this great aged saint of old, in his old age, he's writing and saying, there's still more joy. I've got this joy. I've got this great joy. But there's still more. It's not complete. So I'm taking this action. I'm writing to you to make this joy, to make it complete. Can I say joy is like that? Joy is like that. Joy needs to be shared. Joy has to be acted on. Do you know today, so many of you right now today can do something. You can take an action to bring joy in your life. Quit being passive. Quit being apathetic. Quit being a victim. Stand up and take an action today with someone to bring you greater joy. There was a response in the Christmas story of Luke 2. Mary saying, The Magi, they presented their gifts. The shepherds couldn't stop talking about it. And there was a little drummer boy, a mysterious drummer boy. Nowhere in the Bible does it say pa-rum-pa-pum-pum. But there is a little drummer. And I saw that this, this week. I saw, maybe some of you did, a little boy would bring his drums to the high school football game. He loved the drum line. I love a good percussion section. And this little drummer boy bought his little drums and the real drum line invited him in one night, one Friday night to play alongside him. Take a look at this. How cute is that, number one? And is is he playing on point or what? Look, how significant do you think that moment was in his life? To just be someone in the stands and to be noticed and in a way to be cherished and to be invited and to be included and to say, hey, come, you bring what you got and you join us and we will be better together. And that's the joy. That's John. I'm writing to you that our joy can be complete. Here's what's so fascinating. I discovered this uh, recently when Paul was writing and he referred to uh, God. He would say this 53 times. He used the expression, our Lord. And how many times did he say, my Lord? One. I bet, he won't, I bet he'd want to take that back. 53 times our Lord. What's the idea there? Following Jesus is communal. Following Jesus is together. It's a joy and experience that's to be shared with each other. You are not a free agent. And so many of you are missing out on a great joy because you're living like you're a free agent. And you're flopping and floundering around and you're not in community. And I'm not trying to shame you. I'm just trying to love you. But your joy won't be complete, complete plero. There are cracks in you and let other people fill them. So in closing, this, three things. As we look at 
joy as we uncover and discover maybe new things or reminded of simple things about joy we see from the passages the aforementioned we see asking for joy psalm if you're a note taker write psalm 51 8 right here let me hear joy let me hear it god And this may be too simple or profound for some of you, but I think some of you don't have the joy that you need in your life because you're not asking him for it. Let me drop a little James 4. You have not because you ask not. When's the last time you've asked God for joy? There needs to be an awareness of joy. Note takers write Psalm 65, 8 there. The morning dawn, the evening fades everywhere. It's an awareness. Open my eyes. God, let me see. Let me see. Now, interesting, in Luke 2.10, that's the only passage we read. Do not fear. Good news of great joy for all people. But if you read Luke 2.20, you will see that the shepherds went back, and it says this, the shepherds returned, praising and glorifying God for what they had seen and heard. It was what they had been told. Like you, you love it when something good burst on the scene and it was just what you expected. And that's what happened to the shepherds after their experience with Jesus. But listen, I love the first few words. The shepherds returned. Don't miss that. Luke 2.20, the shepherds returned. Here, here's, here's, here's the reality. They returned to the same little village. They, re- they returned to the same hillside, to the same job as shepherds. They returned to the same sheep, to the same shift at their job. They returned to that same old life, but a different lens, a whole different perspective. And you are, you're heading east trying to find the sunset if you want everything to be new and fresh in your life. If you want an experience of Jesus and you get to walk away from everything that you currently have and know and just have something entirely new. I love that about the Christmas story. The shepherds return, same stuff, but a different lens. Man, we give gifts to children this time of year. It's why it's many people's favorite time of year. And think about little children. Think about a three-year-old. Have you ever seen a three-year-old jaded and cynical when they're opening a gift? Oh, I got this. I don't want this. No big deal. You probably never do because children love to open gifts. There's this awareness of something new. Now, why are there little children and babies and they're getting a bunch of gifts and most of those gifts, they're putting those gifts in their mouth? That probably means they don't appreciate the gift. But the thing about gift giving is I think it's true for us. Some of you, like right now, you've already started and you have gifts, toys and stuff. You're hiding them in your attic and your garage and maybe at your office for the big day in a few weeks. And I think we big people love giving gifts at times because we've lost our joy and sense of wonder. There's not much some of you can open today that would bring you a lot of joy So you got to watch somebody else get joy. That's that's sad. And it doesn't have to be that way. And you and I need a whole new awareness. And then there's an action toward joy. 1 John 1, 4. What can you do? What can you do with others to invite them in, to experience them, and to have joy in your life? As our team comes up, I want to say a couple of closing remarks before we pray. 
and close. Think for a moment. What are you asking God for? When's the last time you've asked Him something worth really asking Him for? Something beyond gimme, gimme, gimme. I'm challenging you to ask God for joy. Not to an emotion tied to a circumstance that'll change like those leaves right behind us that quick. For a joy that can stay with you. A joy that can be transcendent. You're clothed in it. Your heart leaps with it. You carry it with you and it's transferable. It affects other people. I've asked God to give me that gift in my life. Do you think this should be a place of joy? It's going to start with us. It's going to start with every member, every regular attender, every leader to experience Him. What do you need to ask Him for? Colossians 1.12, I was reading this morning because I was praying it for one of you, and it says, give joyful thanks. Give joyful thanks. Colossians 1.12, a mystic said a long time ago, if there was only one prayer that you prayed your whole life, only one prayer, and that prayer was, God, thank you, that might be sufficient. Look, there's a whole lot of us. Let's don't lie or deny. There's a whole lot of us. It's really awareness. We need to see with new eyes. Return to the same things, but see with new eyes. Would you stand with me? Father, I pray. I pray over us in a world in, a, in, a world in 2019 where the things that are on the rise are lonely, anxiety, melancholy, and where cheer and joy and gladness and happy. There just aren't many indicators to see these on the rise. And give us the awe and the wonder. I pray for a new awareness. And I pray you convict hearts for action that is tangible and real that some of us can take to move toward this reality of fear not, this good news of great joy that's for all people. And I pray over these people who've come on this day that no one would exempt themselves, no footnotes, no asterisks, no small print, no one saying that this is not for me today, that this is a message of don't fear, good news, great joy for all people. And it could be for the tired parent. It could be for the one who's been abused or hurt or betrayed or left out. It could be the one that doesn't know the future. It could be for even the hardened cynic that doesn't know how to get back to the magic and wonder. For the proud. For the comedian who's making other people laugh, but who's hurting deep inside. This story is for all. Jesus, make it real in us. Help us bring the past into the present for a real Christmas season in Jesus. 
This altar is open. We have just a couple of minutes left and I want you to pray today to sing. And you come and kneel today if you just simply want to say thanks to God. If you want to ask Him for a greater awareness of joy in your life.